You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey, I'm Will, and they call me the doctor. And I'm Joe, the maestro. We host a podcast called Common Creatives, where we break apart the art we love to see what makes it tick. Basically, we give you the definitive take on whatever or whoever we're discussing. You don't need to go anywhere else. So check out Common Creatives wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. Well, I am here with the incredible, with the fabulous Minister Shalise Blythe. Uh, You've been on the show several times, and uh, you're like one of my favorite people, uh, oh, you're, you're just saying that. Yeah, I am not just saying that. You you really are. <laughs> no, I think you're badass. We are colleagues in the Satanic Temple, and you are also a minister. And in general, I just kind of want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> like, you really are just amazing. So, uh, and you've been a longtime friend of the show. You've been on the show multiple times. So longtime listeners will remember you. But before we get to our conversation, I do have to thank my patrons. My patrons are my personal lords and saviors. And uh, I really cannot do this show without them. I believe in bringing my show to you, to the world for free. I think these are important conversations. But in order for that to happen, I need your help. So for this week, I have to thank Emma and Keith. Thank you so much. I truly could not do this without you. Every little bit goes a long way. I understand that the uh, that the economy is still on fire and people are still struggling, though, from the COVID pandemic. So there are other ways to support this show. One of the best ways is to just leave a five-star review on iTunes. That tells our digital overlords that the show is worth sharing with others. And most of all, listen to it and enjoy it because it is here, first and foremost, for your enjoyment. All right. Shalice, how's it going? Oh, you know, it goes. It's been an interesting, <laughs> it's been an interesting last couple of months, hasn't it? Yes, it really has. Um, so you did you led an incredible service last week. We are recording this on Ju- uh, July 19th. Mm-hmm. And you'd led a service for the Satanic Temple. Uh, last Tuesday at, at the Tuesday evening services at the Satanic Estate. For people who don't know what we're talking about, by the way, the Satanic Estate, how would you describe the Satanic Estate and what and what they do there? Uh, so, so this, satan- sorry, just pause one minute. My cat is trying to get situated. Oh, we're right. fans of cats. What's your cat's yes. name? Uh, his name's Sebastian. Wonderful. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's a black uh, parlor panther, uh, and um, <laughs> he just um, whenever he sees that I'm doing something that requires me to pay attention to literally anything else, he's got to make sure that he gets in my lap, gets situated, knocks everything over, and mm-hmm. makes a bunch of noise. So now mm-hmm. that we're situated, very good. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, so every every time there's a cat on the show, we have to stop everything. Yes. We have to meet mm-hmm. the cat. We have to derail everything. Okay, so the cat has been met, so we can move on now. 
Yep. Yep. His needs, his needs are met. So we're, we're good for now. Um, yeah. So the satanic estate is essentially the electronic platform that serves as a, uh, virtual headquarters, uh, for the satanic temple. And, uh, they do a lot of work, uh, for, for TST. They hold a lot of their own events. Um, you know, they really were able to create and bolster a community, um, especially when the pandemic hit, um, so we've done all sorts of things on, on the estate. We've, we've done, you know, TST official religious events. We've been able to do um, uh, things like the, the Great Faction World, the very first uh, conference we ever did, we were able to do on that platform. And now um, we have what's called Temple Tuesdays, uh, which is how we are conducting our religious services. So, you know, they, they do do them physically at headquarters, uh, but, um, you know, due to the nature of things right now being as uncertain and, uh, you know, just trying to take as many precautions as, as possible and wanting to be able to kind of do these things and have it available to more people than can make it up to Salem. Uh, we have uh, Temple Tuesdays. So we do religious services every Tuesday and those services are led by uh, an ordained minister. Yeah, and it's so cool watching the the services because each time it's a different minister, and mm-hmm. so it's it's you know each minister brings a different perspective and like a different vibe to the service, and then it's a conversation, like it's a public discussion, and then there's the chat, which is always super cool. It's just an incredibly awesome experience. So if yeah. anyone is interested in it, I'll I'll post a link to um, the Satanic Estate. But you gave a fantastic service or you led a fantastic service and discussion last week and it was about something that I've been thinking about quite a bit and I wanted to have you on specifically to discuss this theme that you've clearly put a lot of thought into which is cultivating our satanic heritage and identity and and our history and I guess I'll just leave it off there and let you let, let you share what you meant by that. Yeah. So the topic of my service was knowing our history. Uh, and when I say knowing our history, I mean very specifically knowing our satanic history. A lot to it has a lot of pioneers, has a lot of uh, philosophical works, a lot of occult work, has a lot of big crazy characters that uh, brought a lot of their own um, interpretations of things and, you know, created what we know to be Satanism today. And I think uh, we lose sight of that. Um, it definitely is uh, very underappreciated in um, in our community, meaning I, I think generally speaking, the, the Satanic Temple community, we kind of lose focus on that. And uh, what we noticed, and the reason I wanted to talk about history is because um, I think knowing your history has a lot to do with how you identify um, and, uh, you know, having that understanding of yourself and where you fit within that community. So, you know, the Satanic Temple, I mean, it, it as an organization is, is still very young, you know, it was established in, what, 2014. So, you know, it hasn't been around for very long. Um, and, you know, it takes its, it takes its place within the, the overall milieu of Satanism. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it definitely has its place within uh, modern Satanism, uh, which was not started by the Satanic Temple, as some revisionists have uh, tried to argue, you know, we're just one of many that have uh, that, you know, that were inspired by the works before us. So the the goal of the service was to not only highlight, um, you know, how 
how identity and, you know, needing your sense of self is informed by where your community came from and where that philosophy comes from, where the foundations lie, who, who, who did that work and, you know, where we have, you know, taken that foundational thought and involved them into what we are now. Um, but, you know, making sure that we're not partaking in any uh, revisionist history. Um, we are not uh, telling people that we are not allowed to seek that knowledge to, uh, you know, not only acknowledge that that history exists, um, however problematic it might be, um, and, and to also make sure that we are cognizant of the fact that, you know, attaining knowledge, and even if it's uh, knowledge that is um, controversial, uh, challenging, um, is, uh, you know, to, to say one cannot seek that um, simply because we don't adhere to it is deeply unsatanic. And so that's, um, that was something that I really wanted to press upon in this service. So yeah, one of the, so some of the points that I, that I touched on was, you know, to understand who you are and how you identify, you know, you need a sense of self and, you know, your religious identity can be a very huge part on how you construct that sense of self. You know, historians have long held that, you know, to be a part of this, to be a part of that community, um, you know, part of building your identity is learning where you fit in the story of that community. Um, you know, that history will tell you where that community came from, you know, the foundations that it, it lies on and, you know, where it grew from there and how, you know, how you can spot and appreciate the, the legacies of those who created it before you, you know, how you can carry that into your own religious practice. And, you know, Satanism, Satanism itself is, is very unique among religious philosophies, right? It's very unlike anything that, you know, you or I or most people grew up into. Um, even if you grew up in a secular household, um, you know, it's, it's very different. Um, it's incredibly individualistic in nature. And, you um, that philosophy and practice, um, you know, doesn't fit really narrowly into some, you know, a narrowly defined scope. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to clarify too with this was that, you know, nobody has the authority to define for you, uh, you know, the validity of your identity as a Satanist or demand that, you know, we, we need to be scholars, that we need to, you know, read X amount of books and we need to do all these things um, to consider ourselves valid Satanists. I mean, nobody has the authority to do that. But um, on the other end of that, on the other end of that coin, you know, when you talk about Satanism, you know, the ism part, right, the, the, the philosophy, the practice, um, you know, that's representative of a collective of, you know, a narrative structure that, you know, unites these individuals um, into a generally shared uh, framework of belief. So, you know, that, you know, that encompasses a whole lot of things like a body of symbolism, um, you know, a culture, uh, shared values. And because of that, I think if you are, if, if you are, you know, coming into your own sense of self and your own identity into Satanism, and you want to be a part of that community, um, I think it's really important to understand where that community is coming from. Where did it stem from? You know, we have all these different things that we utilize as part of our practice. We've got ritual, we've got symbol, we've got, you know, this, the name Satan, you know, um, and, you know, what that represents, you know, it's in, in the things that separates us from being, uh, you know, like humanists or atheists or, or you know, any, anything else. You know, all of these elements, they had to start somewhere. And so, you know, the point I tried to make was that, you know, for as brilliant as Malcolm and, and uh, uh, Lucian are, 
they didn't come up with all this, right? This comes from a long history of, of occult practice that goes all the way back to, you know, um, you know, black masses that was started by La Song, you know, during, um, 1800 France. And then, you know, you're, you've got your Aleister Crowley's, you've got your Ellis Levy's, you've got your Anton LaVey's and, and all of these other groups and practices that, um, you know, that, that have done all this work that, you know, and some of them having not even identified as Satanist, you know, Elvis Levy wasn't a Satanist, um, you know, Aleister Crowley wasn't a Satanist, wasn't a self-identified Satanist, but we get so much of our practice, especially how we um, utilize ritual. I mean, that's, 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 that's magic with a K. That's, that, yes. that's Crowley. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, we still, we still utilize that in our, in our practices today. And so, and then of course, you know, we can't talk about Satanism or modern Satanism without acknowledging Anton LaVey. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to, con- I, I personally disassociate Anton LaVey with how the church of Satan is now, because I see, I see an organization he built and I see what exists today. And I just, I don't see the similarities or I just, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. Same. I don't, yeah, I, I just don't personally see how how it is today to be anything like what, you know, he he started it out to be or maybe what he even thought it to be. I mean, there's actually interviews uh, that he did at the kind of towards the end of his life where he, you know, acknowledged, you know, where things were starting to turn sour and that, you know, he probably should have done more to avoid it. But, you know, when you get to get to that age, how, well, you know, what are you going to do? So the reason we talk about all this, right. Um, you know, really, really from my experience, the reason I, I, it's been stewing in my mind for years and something that I felt was really fucking important to use this platform, you know, the religion, you know, our uh, temple services to talk about is because unfortunately, um, you know, as someone who's been in uh, a member and in leadership for many, many years in this organization, um, We've actually had people within the organization or people that say they're members who um, make the argument that there is no purpose in knowing, you know, the authors or even the, the, the texts or, you know, any, like, they don't want to do any of the reading. They don't want to do anything to expand upon their knowledge. This all came about when somebody dared make the, uh, uh, dared make the statement that, you know, to really, like, you really should read the satanic Bible or, you know, you should really know what it is, what it is you're talking about is, you know, if you're saying something is, is something, um, or if you're even saying you hate the satanic Bible, a lot of times what you'll find is, you know, it's being said by people who've never even read it. They've Mm -hmm. just been told by other sources or other people that they shouldn't, or that it's bad or, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, the, the argument is always that, you know, because, because we don't, rely on these religious texts or we don't rely on these on these different sources of information for what we currently practice that somehow it's like an affront to ourselves you know and i had mentioned earlier that i was even seeing people argue that somehow tst was the beginning of modern satanism and i mean that's just factually incorrect (laughs) we would not we would not exist if it weren't for anton Levey. We, and, we simply would not. And Anton LaVey would not exist if it weren't for Crowley and Eliphas Levy and probably Madame Blavatsky and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. I mean, we're part of a lineage. We, we are part yeah. of a religious lineage. And, you know, as I was hearing you talk, I 
what came to mind was the age old question that we all get asked all the fucking time, which is, mm-hmm. well, why Satan? And mm, yeah. that question is so much harder to answer if it isn't placed within the context of the tradition. And I, Mm. of of the the that stream that religious stream that esoteric occult stream it is so much harder to answer why satan why do you, why did you choose satan as your religious icon why are you following the left hand path why do you do a you know occult ritual as a non theist as a non supernaturalist i mean it it's so I find it so much harder to answer that question if I don't bring in the the long lineage of the Romantics and the Western esotericists and occultists. Does that make sense? Like it? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And and TST is um, really unique in this way because you know we don't have a Bible like the Satanic Bible. You know, our founders have not written any definitive text on. Um, on the philosophy, they they reflect on you know they they base how they interpret Satanism, how we practice it, you know how we utilize you know you know the the inspiration for the tenets, all that on um, on a book on on Revolt of the Angels, and not only is it based off of maybe like the last fucking page of that entire goddamn book. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't, and, and that's kind of a sort of a joke because you can read that whole you you read that whole book. And but but it's only the last few pages where you actually get to the part which is really the inspiring part where we actually take our um, <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> take our our uh, our whole thing from. So, anyways, uh, and, that's and you have to get through so just, you you have to get through all of the pages of of lineage of uh, and the library and, and the cafe and the cafe and like several gazillion pages of a family history of all these people that then you never hear about for the rest of the book but yes it's still a fantastic book it's still a fantastic book but where we where we draw our inspiration where we draw a lot of how we put you know satan within that narrative is you know the last few pages but um you know that didn't necessarily start there i mean so the romantics when we talk about like you know the romantics we're talking about a bunch of like authors and philosophers who started turning the narrative of Satan around and and basically putting it in the narrative of like, you know, the, the misunderstood or malrepresented hero of the story and, and kind of putting Satan within a narrative of being, you know, not this, this entity of which um, brings all chaos and ruin and, and sin and evil and all that. But as this, um, you know, as, as the hero of the story, you know, the one that actually, you know, championed very humanistic, right. You know, um, uh, very humanistic traits and, and, uh, was very reflective of who we are as people. And when we talk about the underdogs and we talk about people that, you know, fight against the oppressors, you know, why not Satan? Why can't Satan be representative of that and not all the terrible things that have been associated with like the evilness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that's what started turning the head of that narrative. And so we we get the overall sense of who we are as Satanists when we say we're, you know, part of, you know, when, when we're Satanists and why we identify with, with Satan and we're not just a humanist or we're not just an atheist. I mean, we're, we're very specifically talking about 
you know, this, this character that represents knowledge, represents, you know, uh, fighting against the oppressor, um, being very active in that. You know, there's, there's so much history and there is so much there that represents the whole of why Satan, you know, we couldn't be called anything else. Mm-hmm. So we not only have that from the romantics, but so that takes care of like the overall philosophy of it, right? But then it's like, well, religious practice, you know, we've got, we've got iconography, we have ritual, we have, you know, how we actually, how we utilize that religious identity in our day-to-day lives, you know, how do we actually practice our religion? And um, therein comes in all of the things that were created by the occultists, by, you know, by the, the Crowleys, the Leves. And, you know, we have the iconography from Elvis Levy, and he was a magician um, who, interestingly enough, converted back to Catholicism right before he died. So, you know, take that for what you want. But, you know, we have the Baphomet, you know, because of Elvis Levy. Um, oh, and he was also responsible for the, uh, when we invert the pentagram, uh, that came from Elvis Levy. So, you know, we're talking about magicians and occult people, black masses. Um, you know, the black mass originated um, during the, the affair of the poisons. And, you know, this was, uh, this was done by uh, a woman, La Vosson, who, uh, was, uh, you know, she was a, a magician in her own right. You know, she was a, uh, you know, she made potions. She was an abortionist. Um, you know, she was somebody who was very much involved in kind of like the, the underground uh, in Paris at the time. And uh, her and another Catholic priest did these black masses, which were the first... I, some people will dispute this, but it, it just kind of depends on the source. But it's, it's more, it's, it's widely accepted that when we think of the Black Mass, when we talk about, you know, a mass in which, you know, Satan is actually called upon to create an outcome, uh, that did start with La Vassant. And uh, that was, you know, connected to the to the royal court and everything. It was a big fucking scandal. But, you know, that's where we that's where we get these things. And again, they weren't, you know, uh, La Vassant, you know, wasn't a Satanist. You know, she's basically a con artist and, uh, you know, an underground magician. But, you know, we utilize that in our everyday. And so it's just um, it's crazy to me to think that, you know, there's so much there's not only so much cool history out there, but there's so much really cool knowledge. And there's a lot of way, a lot of things that, you know, I've I've subjected to my subjected myself to intellectually that I wish I hadn't, you know. Um, things that are very challenging, things that, you know, seem very grotesque to me, but I still put myself through it because, you know, um, you can't, you can't say that you are somebody who's part of your identity is seeking knowledge and not do that, even if it's difficult knowledge. Absolutely. I, I agree with everything that you've just said. And, you know, one thing that I was going to say with um, La Vaison, uh, Vaison, how do you say her name? You know, I probably have been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. So anybody who speaks French is probably going to be like that. <laughs> that dumb American girl, she can't even Google this shit. I actually tried and it wasn't great. Um, uh, L-A-V-O-I-S-I-O-N. La, yeah, La, La Vaison. It's, it's, La Vaison. It looks like La Voisin. Right. But yeah, I, I'm taking a lot of liberties in how I pronounce it. It's all good. Well... Catherine Duches. You can call her Catherine Duches. There you go. She was those confessions of a black mass were also extracted under horrific conditions of torture as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so the black mass that is another part of our heritage. That is another part of our history. I shouldn't use the word heritage so much. Here in the South, that has I'm I'm in North Carolina. That has that has an unpleasant connotation. So let's maybe not use the word heritage. Our history. 
history. Yes. Our that's an important part of of the history of Satanism, where the Black Mass emerged from the womb of literal religious torture and persecution. And for me, the Black Mass, you know, enacting the Black Mass is standing in solidarity with all of those who have been tortured by theocratic and religious power. And it and it's historically very significant that the these the confessions of the Black Mass were extracted through horrific acts of torture. And, uh, you know, that's just another interesting point for me. One of one of the things that you said about um, occult a, a, a ritual practice. Let's talk about Aleister Crowley, because mm-hmm. I think that that there are several points that that I want to get to here. One of one of which is how Aleister Crowley really laid the groundwork for the kind of ritual magic that we do. And I'm and I'm not going to shy away from the word ritual magic because it is ritual magic. It is magic with a CK. And that is true even though we are non-supernaturalists, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he laid the groundwork for that. And he was kind of a sociopath. Yeah. He was he was kind of a monster and yeah. and that's that's something that I really want to explore because mm-hmm. I think that a deep engagement with literature and history forces us into a very uncomfortable place of breaking down a hard binary between good and bad. And mm-hmm. and I had a and, and this is actually very central to my personal satanic practice and you know one of the things that that is so threatening I think about the symbol of satan is that he trespasses boundaries. Part of par- what part of what my satan does is he's he's a trespasser of boundaries and a defiler of purity. And what mm-hmm. part of what that means is the is defilation of intellectual purity, moral yeah. purity, and and so on and so forth. And I think that any deep engagement with our history, with history in general and with literature in general, reveals deep complexities of the human race where on the one, on the one, and, and we tend, I, I think the internet right now tends to divide people into Jesus or Hitler. And mm. <laughs> but but that is unless you are actually Hitler or a fascist. Mm-hmm. Most people fall somewhere in between those. And we really really don't like that. And I think that people like Crowley, people like Anton LaVey are those sorts of people. And part of my satanic practice is to take the good and spit out the seeds and to trespass the boundary between simply good or simply bad, 
but but being willing to engage with the whole complex creature of a human being through their writing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't, um, you know, you can't understand the person without understanding their complexity. And so, you know, when people talk about, you know, well, you know, we, we are not going to read the Satanic Bible and we're not going to read the Book of the Law. And we're not going to do these because, you know, Anton LaVey had, a, you know, had a lot of personal issues himself. And, you know, Aleister Crowley talking about, you know, um, when it comes to violating boundaries, he tended he tended to do that with his lovers a lot so he, and he did um, it in a was, in a not good way like when in i talk a very not good and, way. and just yes. to clarify when i talk about violating boundaries i mean intellectual intellectually and metaphysically i do yeah. not mean personally or physically just just so that yeah. we're clear because <laughs> i am getting very used to being taken out of context so <laughs> just yeah, oh, to make that clear oh yeah. i know yeah i i know the feeling um, yeah, so this all kind of comes down to being able to take the things out of their work that serve you, right? You can have people like, you know, like the Crowleys, like the LaVeys, where there's a lot of body of work of which, you know, you don't agree with, but still get those little kernels of, of things that speak, you know, very deeply with you and that were for their time you know, not only for their time, but even for now, incredibly powerful. I mean, you've got, um, so, you know, with Crowley, one of the things that I take from, from Crowley practice is sex magic. Now, you know, he didn't, it wasn't unique to Crowley at all, actually. Sex magic was practiced uh, by a 19th century guy, uh, occultist, um, uh, Pascal Randolph. But, you know, during Crowley's time, um, you know, he, he had made, um, you know, sex magic teachings, part of the, the OTO, uh, the Order Templis Orientis, um, which was actually found, which he was part of for a little while, but then he, um, uh, that was, that was a clusterfuck. But anyway, there, uh, as there, part of the it, foundations of, huh? he has so many burnt bridges. <laughs> there, he does. He, and so many people committed suicide, because yes, of him and like mm -hmm. so many organizations were just wrecked because of him like it was yeah. it was nuts yeah. anyway go on yeah he was he, he he was a very interesting human being but he was also a pretty shitty human being but um but anyway um so part of his practice part of uh, Thelema which is actually the you know the thing that he created which has been implemented by the OTO which he actually inserted into there um, but you know the the various you know the whole concept of, of Thelema you've got you know the, the emphasis on basic sexual liberation and celebration uh, especially when it comes to activity that is not solely heterosexual um, which is not only which is not a not only a big deal in his time but it's still a big deal in our time I mean you know we you know, as somebody, as somebody who is queer, you know, I feel more able to, you know, express myself in that way more so than I did maybe 10 years ago, but that's still, you know, um, it's still not a safe place to be for somebody um, in that way. And so, you know, when I think about sex magic, being unapologetic about your sexual identity and your activity, um, or lack thereof, could be the other way around. Um, you know, that's that's a foundational part of, of identifying as, as a Satanist, I think. Um, there's a lot of that um, components, uh, you know, a lot of that component that, that's there. And so, you know, that's uh, something that I really appreciate about what Crowley did and which actually is still very much utilized today um, in various types of satanic practice. And of course, you know, he, he was also the one who, uh, and, and when we talk about ritual, when we talk about, you know, greater or lesser magic, um, you know, we can get into the whole thing about whether, 
And the, whether about LeVay meant it was real magic or not real, I mean, it's it's you know not worth getting into it. That you know, in in, in this discussion. And, and but, honestly, you know. I don't care. <laughs> I do not fucking I don't care either. I don't, I don't care know. if LeVay thought magic was real or not. What what matters to me is that I think he had some very real insights into the importance of enchantment. Yeah, or you know, being able to will things into being. I mean, you've got. You know, magic, um, you know, is described as a system of physical, mental and spiritual exercises, which the practitioners believe that they benefit from. And so, you know, what does that benefit? That benefit could be either real or or even just what you feel. You know, you're talking about, you know, you do ritual to get maybe catharsis or maybe, you know, the, the way in which you do your ritual brings something into being, whether that's simply something where you you get your um, uh you know, you, you get that feeling from it or, um, you know, maybe something actually does happen. So, you know, certain rituals, you, you know, you create psychodrama, you create all these, um, you create all of these elements that lead to a very real outcome. And so whether you, whether or not you say it's, um, you know, you're, you're physically, you know, making something happen, you're the one who willed it to happen and that's magic. Or if, you know, you're a practitioner or say, you know, greater or lesser magic, whatever it is, that has a history going on that big tangent and bringing it back to the, the knowledge part without like, without really knowing where those things come from. I mean, I think it would be really difficult to appreciate why we do it today. I mean, I know people that, um, you know, came into TST like a week ago and they're already wanting to do black masses. They're already wanting to do, you know, ritual and stuff like that, but have absolutely no, you know, maybe they have no idea where any of this comes from. You know, they think this is just a TST thing or wherever the case may be. And it's like, no, it's got such a cool fucking history behind it. You know, I think, I think knowing that history really helps you appreciate not only where that stems from and, you know, the really amazing um, boundaries that pushed, especially for those that did it at the time, but, you know, we can take those things and maybe evolve you know, and maybe evolve them into something new. I mean, obviously we're not going to do everything the same way that others before us have done. That's kind of, it kind of negates the point of why we create, you know, why TST was created in the first place. But um, I think there's also like a lot of things that we take from, from that historical context and take from that historical practice and we utilize. And that ties into what makes us Satanists. It ties into what makes us who we are and not, just what we came out of, or, you know, if you're talking about humanism or, or, uh, or atheism, you know, atheism doesn't have all of this history and all of this practice that goes along with it, you know, and, and humanism is completely different too. And so it's, you know, not even a, a religious identity. So um, keeping, keeping in mind, keeping in context, that which sets us apart helps us appreciate it more, I think. And uh, that's why I think it's a really important thing. And, you know, the other the other thing I tried touching upon was that, you know, this kind of this concept of, you know, these arguments about, you know, whether we started modern Satanism or we shouldn't be reading certain books or we shouldn't be attaining certain knowledge and different things. Um, I mean, that to me, I mean, it just it, it's factually inaccurate. It negates the really, really amazing history of Satanic practice. But I mean, the very concept of banned or forbidden knowledge is like the cornerstone of all authoritarian systems, right? And and Satan is very well known to be against that. You know, at the you know we talked about Revolt of the Angels. I mean, at the end of that book, I mean, Satan makes a very salient point about not wanting to become the very thing you fight against. 
So why then would you inherit or would you, you know, embrace this identity and then do everything you can um, to uh, completely chip away at what makes that thing what it is, you know, just because you're maybe intellectually uh, unprepared to be challenged or maybe you just don't know where to start or maybe, um, you know, you're still trying to like deprogram yourself from years and years and years of being told that, you know, one, you don't have to know anything about the religion you're a part of to be a part of it. I see that a lot. Or two, seeking knowledge has a very bad outcome. And even though intellectually, you probably know that's not real, you know, because you've forsaken or, you know, you don't believe in those things anymore. That's hard to get out of your psyche. I understand. I understand when people are coming out of wherever they're coming from, right? Whether that's a theistic or maybe even a secular background, you know, you are still subjected to, you know, what society deems is right and wrong and the things that you need to be and do to just be able to get through life, right? But then there's the willful ignorance. And I think during the conversation we had on Tuesday or, you know, the, you know, during my service, that was something that, that ruffled some feathers. And I thought that was a really interesting, um, uh, a really interesting pushback because when we're talking about seeking knowledge and when we're talking about how those that don't seek knowledge, um, you know, it's considered to be unsatanic. This isn't, this isn't talking about whether or not people have the ability to afford the $300 academic books or, you know, they don't know where to start. I mean, we're not talking about those things and we're not talking about people that just aren't there yet. And, and we know, also, we also aren't talking about genuine issues of accessibility who yeah, pe right, people yeah. who might have some so, like reading disorders or learning learning yeah. disorders um so on and so forth that is not what we're discussing some people right. have accessibility issues i have accessibility issues i dropped out of high school because i'm super duper dyslexic so yeah. so i get it and i and so just to make that clear that's not what mm -hmm. we're talking about yeah yeah it it took me 3 years to get through one book um, yes, and, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. By the so way, the, I, I, learning disability, not not learning disorder. Jesus Christ, I, I'm yeah, too, too yeah. tired to be using my words right now. Sorry, go on. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, and you know, I, I have the same issue. Um, I had a I had a a, a minor uh, a minor stroke when I was uh, when I was a teenager, and so I actually do have a um, uh, I, I do have a physical disability. Uh, you know. Of, of the brain. So um, those kind of things are very difficult for me as well. Uh, things take me two to three times longer than I wish it would. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely understand that argument and why that's, that's a part. But again, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is willful ignorance. We are talking about people that of their own volition and, you know, they're the ones making the decision that they don't want to seek this knowledge or they don't want to know anything about it, or they come in with their own ideas about what this is and want to completely redefine for everybody else what this is based off of their having no idea even where any of this comes from. That's the kind of willful ignorance we're talking about, because what we what we see a lot in the Satanic Temple is people that come in, they they see us for 
one aspect of, of who we are, right? And, and I'm talking about the activism. Um, you know, people come into TST for a lot of reasons. You know, we have members, we have allies, and we have, you know, people that kind of fall in between where whatever speaks to them that draws them in, you know, that's that's their prerogative. But the problem then becomes is that when you've got when you've when you've got people that only want to see that part of it, you know, uh, the activism that is merely a an expression of our religious faith, you know, and I can get into you know all that in a in a bigger rant, but only see us for this one element of it, and then are very uncomfortable with the religious part of it and where that history comes from and the fact that Satanism by its very nature has a very dark history. And, you know, we're, we're only starting to kind of be a little bit more enlightened, but like every other religious identity out there or, you know, religious philosophy out there, you know, it, it has a very, not only interesting start, but it's also been practiced and utilized by people that like to interpret it in really fucking weird ways. So they come in with this understanding, with this very limited understanding, and then they don't take the time or the care to understand it. And then they start getting into arguments and start getting upset with people that say, you know, this stuff you're talking about, it it just, it really isn't it really isn't applicable here, or it seems like you you just don't know a whole lot about Satanism as a religious practice. Why don't you, like, here's some places to start, you know, here's, you know, start with the Satanic Bible, maybe start with these passages in Revolt of the Angels. I mean, you know, those are the kind of people that we get the most frustrated with, because not only are they kind of like shown the way of how to like navigate those conversations, you know, they're, they're, they are given the ability to do that, and they just refuse to do so. Uh, they don't want to see TST as the religious uh, group that it is. They just want to see it for the activism that it engages in when it's necessary. You know, when it is, um, when it has has everything to do with who we are as a religious people, not, uh, you know, not just our sole function. Our activism is, you know, the things that are important to us, the things that drive our activism are informed by our religious faith. It's not the other way around. And a lot of that religious faith, faith and identity and what drives those things, you know, have a history. They have a foundation. They have, you know, text and they have, um, you know, history, and they have all these things behind it that inform, you know, the cornerstone of why Satan, why Satanism. And that's when that, that so that, that was for me, what necessitated, what necessitated this conversation, uh, you know, during temple services, because I think a lot of this needed to be heard by a lot of people that whether they were, doing it purposefully or not fell within the category of, you know, being very willfully ignorant of, um, of what their behavior and what their actions were saying and doing and how it was creating a, a very uh, toxic and, and destructive atmosphere within, within the religious community. I agree with everything that you said there. And when I think of willful ignorance, I think of the hilarious interactions that I've had with some people where usually atheist types you mm-hmm. know just just stone cold atheists and i love them i love my matt dillahunties i love my richard dawkins i love my <laughs> sam harris's they're great i'm not dissing them but i have had several hilarious interactions with atheists with, with just hardcore atheists where they're like 
yeah, I love what what TST is doing. I love that it's posing as a religion to uh. to to you know for the activism and and to you know stand for the uh, separation of church and state. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We are actually a religion. And they get this knowing look in their eyes, and they say, "But that's what you're supposed to say. You you're supposed to say that because that's part of the bit. That's part of the thing." Because if you don't say that, then you can't adequately protest and troll. Like part of the troll is that you have to insist that it's a religion. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, there is nothing ironic about my Satanism. I am not, there is seriously, I don't like irony. I don't do irony. I don't get irony (laughs) in general. Like I don't, my, there is nothing ironic about my Satanism. This is 100% a genuine religion, and they're like, yes, but that's exactly what, what you're supposed to say for the troll to work. And uh, I'm like, God damn yeah. it, I give up. That is willful ignorance. That That is, all, that, that is definitely willful ignorance, absolutely. Um, and, you know, willful, so the problem is, is there's a difference between willful ignorance inside and outside. Outside willful ignorance is something I can deal with because it's like, you know, these are, these are outsiders. These are people that don't consider themselves, you know, Satanists and they'll forever think we're a troll group and, you know, fuck it, fine, whatever. They think we're hilarious and, you know, they'll, you know, do their little devil horns and say hell Satan and giggle as if they're in on some fucking inside joke. I don't care about those people. You know, it's just like, you know, let them think whatever they want. The willful ignorance from within, that is the thing that I am trying to, to touch on and to try and get people to think about, mm. you know, if they want to be a part of the community, because, you know, you can be a part of the community and be an ally, um, you know, just don't fucking denigrate my religious identity, you know, the religion aspect of it, you know, you can be, a, you know, a Satanist who's very new and still learning and, and, you know, be open to, um, you know, thinking of Satanism in one way and then over time completely, completely rethinking, thinking it as you kind of attain knowledge over time. That's that's great. I mean, I was that person, you know, I, you know, I was I was familiar with, you know, Anton LaVey's work. I mean, when I was a teenager, I mean, I read the Satanic Bible when I was 14 and, um, you know, the Satanic Witch, when I finally got my hands on it when I was 16 and then. Um, you know, over time started reading all this stuff. And, you know, at the time when I was a teenager, I was reading all this stuff and, you know, it didn't speak to me in the way that like I wanted to become a Satanist right then and there, because I knew people who were members of the church of Satan. I knew how they kind of conceptualized Satanism, the religious practice, and I didn't really like it. You know, I was just like, I mean, I like what LaVey's saying here, but what you guys are doing in practice, I don't want anything to do with. So, you know, I was very interested in the words and I, um, God, I remember writing like fucking satanic Bible quotes in my little edgy diary I had back in the day, um, which I unearthed for the first time in like 10 years, uh, the other day. Um, you know, and I've got all these like LeVay, um, uh, quotes and stuff like that. Completely forgot I'd done all that. So anyway, 
Um, obviously, that a lot of that spoke to me, but as a religious practice, I wasn't quite there yet. And, you know, when I became, when I fully embraced my identity as a Satanist, when I discovered the Satanic Temple and how the Satanic Temple conceptualized Satanic practice, you know, with the, you know, with the tenants, but also like with the community and how it was actually practiced and applied, including the activism, um, that's where I was like, that's that's where it's at for me this is how this is how i think you know satanism for me is is best conceptualized and best practiced but that's changed over time so the interesting thing is that as i became as i learned more and more and more and i'll never stop learning i'm going to go into my grave being so pissed off that i didn't get to that final book or i didn't get to that one thing or that Um, you know, I don't feel like I knew absolutely everything I could possibly know. I mean, you know, as a Satanist, I pride myself in the fact that I will never stop learning things and I will never stop challenging myself, um, as intellectually as, as best to my capabilities, uh, you know, given my, uh, given my TBI, but, um, that's changed, you know, you know, what, what drew me to, uh, what drew me to Satanism or what drew me to TST in the beginning, isn't the same thing that draws me to it now. I've, I've, you know, I've, I, I've matured in my Satanism, I've learned new things, I've experienced new things. Um, and, you know, I've had experiences in my own personal life and, and with the Satanic community that's kind of informed what brings me joy in my Satanic practice now. And, you know, that's, it's different now than it was, and that's perfectly okay. And so that's in that, that is a product of me always seeking knowledge and for always challenging myself and being put in challenging positions and, and actually talking to people that think I'm a fucking poser. You know, I subject myself to, you know, these asshole COS people that, you know, want to sit and argue and and tell me how I'm not a real Satanist all goddamn day long. Um, But the reason I do that is because I, I don't want to be so consumed by, I I don't want to consume my entire identity around the organization. You know, my, my identity is Satanism. My part of my, my religious identity is Satanism. And As of now, TSD fits within that, but that could change and that's fine. But, you know, I don't want to lose, I I don't want to close this bubble around myself where I am denying myself outside sources, where I'm denying myself outside knowledge. I'm not being challenged. I'm not being, you know, it's definitely challenged to kind of like justify why I'm a Satanist. Some people would shy away from that, but I actually really enjoy the intellectual challenge because not only could I possibly learn about how how to maybe better frame the narrative or maybe think of things in a different way and learn something from other people. But, you know, it helps me really solidify and maybe ask that question all the time. Like, am I still a Satanist? And then, yeah, yeah, no, I still am. Yeah. Fuck, you know, fuck those people. It it Um, is so funny that you say that because I have the exact same cycle. I, yeah. I go. I have the exact same process of. Oh, this is an interest. Oh, kitty. Oh, those gorgeous eyes. Oh, he's so upset with me right now. He's beautiful. So he's a beautiful big baby. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, you're good. Cats, cats are cat interruptions are always welcome. Um, every so often, I will absorb a new piece of literature or information or perspective or whatever, and. I'm like, okay, how does this mesh with my Satanism? Is mm-hmm. this something, is this true? Is it not true? And I mean like in a broad philosophical sense, like like 
I, I can't think of a specific example right now off the top of my head, but but there's the, like this constant challenge to my Satanism. Mm-hmm. That that I am subjecting it to. And it's like, am I still a Satanist? Does my Satanism still hold? And allowing it to grow and evolve. Um, yeah. I, I relate so much to what you're saying. So what you're saying brings to mind a couple of things. Mm-hmm. So I've been shrieking a lot. I've been screeching a lot online about Jordan Peterson because I'm reading Jordan Peterson. Oh, yeah. And all of this is bringing to mind reading the experience of of trying to engage sincerely with with Jordan Peterson's work. Now, let me clarify. I am not a Jordan Peterson fan. I think that he is at best a buffoon and at worst really fucking dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, especially a lot of his non-clinical stuff. Like some of his clinical work is really super interesting, but a lot of his non-clinical stuff, I, I find it clownish i find it buffoonish and some of it i find super fucking dangerous i still find things of value that i can pull from jordan peterson none of that is to say that i am a jordan peterson fan none of that is to say that i condone Jordan Peterson that that isn't to it and it's much more complicated than that and I'm just so fascinated by the response to a lot of people in the community to my writing about Peterson in which I've made I have made very 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 clear I'm not a fan of this man I don't support him however he was called the greatest public into the most important public intellectual of the western world by the new york times yeah that certainly didn't go to his head that certainly didn't go to his head (laughs) the point the point being he's meeting some kind of need and i would be so remiss to not deeply examine that and try to figure that out the response mm-hmm. that I and that to me is very satanic. Doing the fucking yeah. reading to quote your yeah. to quote doing your work. doing you know to quote your high school English teacher. Do the fucking reading, like doing the reading is part of my satanic practice. And the response that I've gotten is so interesting. Which is yeah. you know one person on Twitter asked why why would you even attempt why would you even do this and i because i tweeted an article in which i said you know in which i try to find common ground with jordan b peterson Mm -hmm. and they were like why i said because it is valid well because it is uh a helpful and challenging exercise and they said i'm sure it's challenging i'm skeptical on helpful because to me i would i would assume it's just toxic and poisonous and i'm like and i've gotten this response from a lot of people and i'm like what do you fear would happen what Mm -hmm. what what is your fear what is what is the fear and this applies to everything else what is the what are you afraid of when it comes to reading anton levey what what is it what is the thing that you are afraid will happen if you actually sit down and read anton levey yeah. Are, are you going to die? Are you going to become a fascist? Are you going to become anti-Semitic? Are you going yeah. to start spouting might is right? Are you yeah. going to go onto a 24-hour podcast and say horrible anti-Semitic things? I'm kidding. I won't include that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you going Are you going to, like, what are you afraid is going to happen? Mm-hmm. There's this strange fragility 
there is this strange anti-intellectualism and fragility that is across the internet right now. Yeah. That is that seems almost frightened of the of what they perceive as the waste, the wasted mm-hmm. time of mm-hmm. engaging in controversial literature. And I honestly think Jesus Christ, I'm going to regret saying all of this. I'm going to get so much shit for saying all of this. When people say, I don't have time, I don't have the energy to read such and such, to read Anton LaVey, to, to engage, or there's, there's a genuine fear of the wasted time in engaging with challenging literature. I think that the simple and obvious reason for that is you don't read. Yeah, well... Um... <laughs> I, I don't know how to put it ni- more nicely than that. Well, at the very least, maybe it's not even a reading issue. I mean, it's definitely a part of it. But, you know, you certainly do not seek out and and form those opinions for yourself. Because a lot of the times what I see is when when you have these people saying, well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? The Internet told me this is bad. And if I even so much as not say, you know, stay in line with what I am expected to be told, um, expected to say and have feelings on this, then I'm going to become a pariah and I'm going to become the worst people either. But as Satanists, we're not afraid of, you know, challenging ourselves and having nuance. You know, we're not afraid of people being upset at the knowledge that we seek. That's part of why we're fucking Satanists. And so my whole thought on this is, you know, I think it's very normal now for people to be expected to have these, you know, concrete stances on an array of issues. Um, where they neither have knowledge nor the intellectual training to seriously examine those complex issues, but they're expected to have them anyway. So, um, you know, it's, it's normal for peers to promote the expression of unsubstantiated opinions, uh, venting of uninformed emotions, and, and the habit of acting on those opinions and emotions. And uh, they all do all that while ignoring or dismissing opposing views uh, without having either the intellectual I don't know, equipment or the personal experience to weigh one view against the other in a serious way. So, Um, And I think that new normal lends itself to the reactions we see where, you know, for example, with what you're experiencing by reading, you know, fucking Satan forbid you read a Jordan Peterson book or, you know, anybody saying that. Or Sam Harris, like Sam Harris or or whatever. Or Anton LaVey or literally anyone who isn't fucking Noam anyone who isn't fucking Noam Chomsky. Like, yeah, anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I think people forget is that, you know, at one point in time, reading something like The Revolt of the Angels was considered forbidden, was considered dangerous, was considered, um, you know, if we were to read anything from Milton again, at one point in time, that was considered um, you know, to be very dangerous and could bring down, you know, and at, you know, the, the fucking destruction of the entire world. I mean, um, even though those things don't compare to like, you know, uh, you know, the Jordan Peterson or, or whatever, I'm not making a comparison, but what I am saying is that, you know, a lot of the times, you know, we, we ourselves become enlightened, uh, through challenging our views, you know, um, you know why I know Mein Kampf is a terrible fucking book because I read that terrible fucking book. And, uh, not only were the things written inside it abhorrent, it was, it was a challenge to read the words. He was the worst 
fuck. I don't know how he got so many people to follow him. He was the worst fucking writer I've ever read. It the, was just he got so many people to garbage. He got so huh? many people to follow him because mm-hmm. none of them read him. Because none of them read it. It was all about how he presented. And yes, yeah, so yes. he was a very charismatic, you know, he was really good at speeches and he, the emotion and presenting himself as like understanding, you know, the, the people. So it, it's like, you know, if you're somebody who says that we shouldn't be reading, it's like, well, then how do you like, you know, what what's your feeling on historians? You know, the people that are the ones that when a society starts going, like starts trending and starts, you know, starting to kind of reflect maybe a, a pattern and the way it's structured um, in a way that's just like, oh, this is an alarm. How do they know that that's an alarm? Well, they read the fucking stuff that, um, you know, they're, they're the ones that had to read that history and know that history and how you apply that history and how you either, you know, make something better or you prevent it from doing or becoming terrible and you you know you don't see those warning signs or you don't see where you're progressing unless you know where that history is and um you know knowing history gives you so much context for you know where you are now and how you're going to evolve in the future and um yeah so you know again this anti-intellectualism i mean i think i think satan is is probably the the most against anti-intellectualism it's in our goddamn invocation you know let us embrace the luciferian impulse to eat of the tree of knowledge and it's so you know people accept that you know they think it's a really nice thing to read they say it at invocation every tuesday they think it's a great thing but then they don't utilize, then they don't utilize it. And, and, you know, they're probably the same people that go on Twitter and tell you not to read fucking Jordan Peterson. And it's like, um, <laughs> it's self-imposed. Um, it's a self-imposed barrier they're putting on themselves um, for fear that it'll somehow speak to them or for fear it'll somehow, I don't know. Well, it's, it's a fear of knowledge. I'll, I'll never understand it. it. It really is like exposure therapy. Where mm-hmm. the further we the 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 more we avoid, the scarier the subject of our avoidance becomes. Yeah. And you know, I, I had this experience a while ago where I have a friend who is conservative and he told me to read a particular book called The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray, who's a gay conservative guy. Mm. And I had a choice at that moment, which was to feel threatened or defensive or whatever. And instead I just chose to read the goddamn book Mm -hmm. and it was truly that simple. And then I could go back to my friend and say, he didn't cite his sources. And my friend (laughs) knew as well as I did that a, that citations make or break a book. And that was the end Mm -hmm. of the conversation. And I, and I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to cower in fear. I didn't have to I, I didn't have to wring my hands. I didn't have to stress. I just mm-hmm. had to read the book. And mm-hmm. it's and it really is and, and and when I read it, the citations weren't solid. And it was that simple. And I really feel like there's a sort of exposure therapy to all of this where it's like the the more we avoid the hard work of engaging with messy people and the hard work of engaging with messy history and messy mm-hmm. literature, messy subject matter, messy art, 
whatever it is, the more we avoid it, the scarier and bigger and harder it becomes. Yeah. And the most liberating thing that I have found is to just read it, just mm-hmm. engage with it. I, it. I have found that the most liberating and powerful thing because I don't need to be afraid of it. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to exert such enormous power over me. Uh, hold on, a cat wants in. You want to see my cat? He's a fat boy. I do want to see he's your a, cat. He's a chonk. Oh, chonks. Oh, look at that chunky baby. He is, he is one of six. Oh. And he, wa- he might want to say something. Do you want to talk? There we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're, you're saying all that. And, and really, really what it comes down to in my mind is that, you know, how are you possibly able to oppose this arbitrary authority? How are you possibly able to fight against your oppressor if you don't know where your oppressor is coming from? You know, what's informing your oppressor? What's, you know, what, what's the language? What's the idea? What's the, you know, what, what concepts do they have about you that makes you the, you know, makes you the Satan they want to squash, you know? Um, you can't know how best to fight that unless you know, you know, the, the ammunition of which they're using against you. And so I think that it's not only a matter of, you know, living true to your satanic, satanic ideals, but it's, it's the way in which you fight the oppression, you know, you fight the very thing, you know, when we talk about, you know, people that are brought in by maybe the, by the activism element, um, we know the language of which the, these people are speaking, you know, we have to read it, we have to force ourselves to um, expose ourselves to it. And, and because we know these things, that's how we are able to, you know, fight against it. And so um, it's not only a matter of, you know, a philosophical truth, but it's a matter of self-preservation. So this also comes down to one of the things that got brought up, which I think doesn't get talked about enough. So, you know, I was talking about the history of Satanism, you know, people coming in, not knowing, not knowing or not wanting to know anything about why we identify religiously like we do. But people come in and they they don't they, they 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 come in with such fervor and they just you know they they find they find TSD they find this this group that exists that you know has the tenants and then everything they do in the world you know really speaks to them and the things that are important to them but they don't take two seconds to Google us um, <laughs> and that ends up becoming a problem. Um, because one of the things that TST has never shied away from is how flawed we have been and how flawed our history is. And boy, howdy, does it have quite the history. And it has had quite the experience of, you know, bad turns or, um, you know, things that come up from like maybe our founders past, you know, that don't apply anymore, but somehow make the rounds every three months, you know. Um, you know, we even have a book, uh, you know, uh, Speak of the Devil by uh, um, Joseph Laycock, who, you know, covers all these things, the things we don't shy away from, you know, uh, that, you know, we had, you know, um, you know, a, a large group of people that, that left, you know, we call that the shitting. And, you know, that was over a lot of things that, you know, I think it was a half and half. I think half of the things that, you know, they talked about were absolute garbage, but then the other half, there was some validity to that. Um, 
And then, you know, you've got the, the infamous, right, you know, might is right radio show from when, you know, our founder, our co-founder Lucian Greaves was like 20 years old and still a COS Satanist. So, you know, there was some, there was some things said during that uh, radio, that 24 hour radio show that, you know, were, were of issue and, um, you know, taken out of context can be seen as being a lot worse than what it actually was. But, you know, when we talk about identity and when we talk about, you know, that sense of self, right? People tend to latch onto an organization before they, they latch onto the overall, you know, the overall philosophy. And we see that a lot in TST. So one of the things that I always like to tell people, you know, when I was on IC, one of the things I'd always tell potential chapter heads is before you dedicate yourself to this, before we even go through this process, before we waste each other's time, I want you to go to this website, this website, this website, and this website. All of these websites have statements from people that have left. Uh, this website has the uh, radio show excerpt uh, from Forever Ago that uh, makes everyone think that Lucian Greaves is an anti-Semite. This is, this is this, this is this, this is this. Here is all of the sordid history that has been linked to and used as a weapon against TST. And what I want you to do is I want you to sit and I want you to contemplate all of this. I want you to ask me questions because I'll have an answer for all of it. I've been here for all of this, except for the radio show. I didn't know Lucian Grease when he was 20 years old. Thank fuck. But like here, here is everything laid bare. Here is everything there is to know here is all of the underbelly shit that is unpleasant, but it is a part of our history. And once you understand that, and this is still something that you, you know, feel very strongly about, then let's move forward. But, you know, don't, don't make this about your entire identity. Don't, don't put all of your eggs in a basket. Don't, you know, don't make this thing a, a pillar of, of your entire sense of self and this new, um, part of your of your life that you're clinging on to, you know, with your new satanic identity, don't do any of that unless you know all the sorted bits, because the sorted bits are going to keep coming up over and over and over <laughs> again. And unless you can talk about those things with all the confidence, knowing the history, knowing the details, knowing knowing that this exists and not feeling like you've been sideblinded by it, you're, you're going to have a really hard time and then you're going to start becoming a part of the, the purity problem, you know? And uh, so I think that that concept not only applies to our own organizational history, but, you know, when we're talking about the grander history of Satanism and all the sordid uh, history there is there all the challenging things all of the all of the greatness but all of the really not great um, great parts of it um, I think that in turn helps you with um, you know really coming into that part of your identity and your association with that hmm. makes me think of an experience that I've been having lately that I think is kind of a parable for all of this where. Mm -hmm. A huge, 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 huge influence on my life has been Marilyn Manson. Mm. And he shaped my worldview and my creative expression and my identity so much. Yeah. Through high school, through college, like, and, you know, he was, there was a queerness about him 
there's um you know a violence about him a darkness about him that that deep philosophy of the reconciliation of opposites Marilyn and Manson and so he's kind of like a baphomet he has like very masculine and feminine aspects so that a lot of a lot of what he, so a lot of what i had as a as a kind of proto satanist as an embryonic satanist when i came to tst was implanted in me by Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the Baphomet and heard Lucian's explanation of it, I instantly got it because yeah. of Marilyn Manson. There's a fucking problem. Marilyn Manson is being accused of horrific sexual torture against multiple yep. partners. Mm-hmm. And I have not responded well to this. And I was just like, fuck, well, f- you know, fuck, I can't. I can't listen to him anymore. I can't, I, I just have to like basically yank this whole part of my life out. And it's, it's occurring to me that I cannot do that because mm-hmm. it is impossible. It is impossible for me to yank the influence of Marilyn Manson out of my life at its roots because he might be a horrific sexual predator. The mm-hmm. good that he has built inside of me or that I took from him is there and has flourished and I can't get rid of it. I feel like that is a metaphor for our history itself, not just as the satanic temple, but as Satanism as a whole. Yeah. And not to, not to in any way compare any of our, that's a very extreme example. And so I'm not comparing, you know, <laughs> Lucian. That's a, yeah, that's a good example. Though. But, but you know, like, I cannot I cannot get rid of Marilyn Manson's influence in my life even if I wanted to. And so the only thing I know to do is to just be okay with this uncomfortable tension. I mean, my show is called Sacred Tension for a fucking reason mm-hmm. to just be okay with this tension of this man who has been so enormously influential on my life, on my creativity, on my religious practice, on my view of Satanism, and has left such a positive impact on me, might also be a serial rapist. What do I do with that? And the answer is nothing. I just yeah. let it be. I just let it be complicated. I think that we have a tendency to round up to to people's best qualities and see people through the lens of their best qualities. Or we round down to their very worst qualities and see them through their worst qualities. And I think that there are some people for whom it is valid to do that. <laughs> right? Like there are but I think for me personally more often than not, it's more helpful to not round up or down at all, yeah. to just let it be a fucking mess and to not reconcile it, to not try to bring these things into reconciliation, to just let it be complicated, to just let it make me uncomfortable. And that's okay, because that's that's human nature. And I think that that is brutally hard Mm-hmm. because I'm experiencing it right now. So so I get why people... I want to fall into this good-bad dichotomy in, yeah. with everything. I want to do that with all of the people I read. I want to do that with, with all of... 
with with everything. I am very, very susceptible to that. It's just deeply uncomfortable. And so to me, so much of my Satanism is being willing to just rest in that discomfort and be okay with it. And it is deeply yeah. uncomfortable, especially with Marilyn Manson. I'm like, he's my hero, was my hero. He was my hero, shaped my life. And and then uh, Evan Rachel Wood brings mm-hmm. out these horrific allegations against him. And it has dawned on me, I, I can't change his influence on me. Like, that's done. Yeah. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that's a I think that's a parable for the complexity of this whole subject. Yeah, and it is a really complex subject. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, in this in this conversation, I mean, we could get into all the nitty gritty and we can talk about all the variants and we can talk about, um, you know, and try to say something the right way, but then having to go back and like give a little bit more context for everything we say. But, you know, it's just it, it is it is a complex it, it's a complex idea. It's a complex religion. And it is a religion that is taking on some of the most complex part of human nature and, and saying this is a part of the philosophy. You know, this is this is the heart of it. You know, the complexity, the nuance, the, the things that are not narrowly defined. You know, there is no you know, there are no guarantees. There is, you know, things evolve. There's no definitive answers. You know, there are no you know, like, there are no answers, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to go from, you know, a, a frame of mind growing up where things were a lot more simple and through, you know, one religion or through group or whatever, there was that certainty, there was assurances, there was, it makes it a lot easier, but we have for ourselves, you know, defined our existence as, you know, part of what sets us apart is because we don't accept things as black and white. We do not accept things as being simple. You know, we know that things are complicated. We know there's nuance. We know there's challenges and we know there's discomfort. And we know that our very existence is defined by those things. And that's okay. We still have to live with it and we still have to deal with those challenges and, and how that uh, is, you know, how that goes in practice is is very unique to every individual being. But um, it's when we start, it's when we start trying to find comfort in that old way of thinking of, you know, anti-intellectualism or, you know, not, not challenging ourselves or cherry picking what we do and do not want out of Satanism as a, as a philosophy. That's when we start having the struggle. And, um, you know, I understand that people come into it with their own levels of trauma, their own levels of, you know, where they're at in their life and, and the, the barriers and the mental and emotional uh, roadblocks they have, to, they have to destroy in themselves to get really to the heart of things or to really feel like they're truly living, you know, their, their satanic ideals um, but that's, that's okay. Um, but the, the issue always then comes in where, you know, those things start affecting other people or you start, um, imposing that discomfort or imposing those barriers on other people who are probably beyond that. They're at a different level. They're in a different, you know, phase of their, their own healing or, you know, uh, they, <laughs> They have different beliefs than you that go outside the the, the spectrum of of Satanism. You know, it's one of those things where I like to to say that 
you know, Satanism isn't about you're, you're this, 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 and this, and that's what makes you a Satanist. It's, you know, when you're a Satanist, everything, everything else in your life is informed by it. Um, you know, your Satanism informs these other parts of your life. And that's why you have so many people that um, have varying, you know, you, you know, you can put 10 TST Satanists in a room and they're going to have 10 completely different views of the world. What unites them is the Satanism and where, you know, where they fall within that, that spectrum, um, you know, where TST lies, but how they utilize that Satanism and how that informs the rest of their lives and their experiences and how they deal with it in that context is going to be very different. So, you know, so when you're coming at this from a frame of mind where things have to be in a tidy box where there's no nuance or complexity, either something's good or something's bad, that's when you start having the problems. And that's when you start seeing each other, like, you know, people tearing each other apart and start going down into these like purity spirals. And they start going into this. I'm not going to read this and nobody should read this because, you know, did you know that this, you know, this person was an anti-Semite? Did you know this, this, and this, and this? It's like, well, of course I did. Of course I knew all these things, but I'm getting, I'm not getting those things out of this. You know, there's a reason this is part of the foundational, you know, part of the foundations of our, of our philosophy, because all that dumb shit aside, there are some things in here, you know, we talk about LaVey, we talk about Crowley, and when we talk about how, where their inspirations, you know, like the, the complexities of, you know, what they were taking, and, and that was informing them, you know, with LaVey, you know, you've got Enran and Might is Right, and, um, you know, it's like, you know, well, why, why were those things informing him so much, you know, cause he was getting all the, the Crowley and magic. And then he was taking all these other things that come from more of a, you know, humanistic, you know, natural, you know, the, you know, natural kingdom, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, there was a lot of reasons why that's where he, that's where he took Satan. That's where he got the inspiration. And obviously we have detracted from that. And, you know, we, um, we have evolved past that. We, we have more information now. We live in a different time. Um, we know that certain things that were thought to be true then, we just know that they're not true now. And that's okay. You know, we just evolved past it. We're not, we're not, you know, we don't have things set in stone. We don't even have our tenants set in stone. You know, those could change. And, and I think that's why with all of the frustrations I've had over the years with, with uh, TST and in my, in my very complex relationship and in the complex ways in which I've been involved with it. Um, you know, what I like about it is that, you know, it is always willing to evolve, you know, nothing is set in stone and, you know, we're constantly trying to better ourselves, especially as we learn from the failings of, of our, of our past. And again, if we weren't cognizant of that history and we didn't embrace it and know it and challenge ourselves and like, you know, having it be a fucking gut punch and, you know, gut punch for us, then, you know, we wouldn't be trying to better ourselves. So we wouldn't try to be better Satanists um, and, uh, you know, be something that could be, you know, better for the community. So anyway, I think that's a fantastic note to end on. We should do this more often. This was fun. Okay. Yeah, this was great. Um, yeah. You're you're welcome back anytime. Uh, well, thank you. Any, yeah, anytime thank you, you want to come back on and rant about something, just let me know and we can rant together. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I could just rant. I could rant at you with you all day long. Um, so I mean, that's basically for, uh, what we do together in text anyways. Yeah, we, it's very we, true. We so do that. Much. We do that quite regularly. No. Well, I think you're fucking iconic and amazing. Oh. And, and I think you're such an important satanic voice. And so I really appreciate you coming on the show again. And uh, seriously, anytime you want to come on, just let me know. Well, thank you um, so much. I appreciate the the opportunity and, uh, you know, your, your very kind words. And, uh, yeah, I hope to have some more uh, nuanced and complex uh, conversations with you in the future. Absolutely. This will probably this whole this show, I expect, will will piss some people off, but that's OK. We love you all. We love you. And it's OK. No one's going to die. It- yep. Uh, all right. you tell me, and, and you can listen to this and tell and tell me to go fuck myself. That's yeah, fine. same, same. Tell me yeah, to go fuck yeah. myself. I'm you don't okay have to with it. Anything I said, you can go through this whole goddamn thing and just being like, well, she's got her head so far up her ass. I, you know, it's how the hell is she even speaking right now? And, and like, maybe we do. That's fine. That's and maybe the we thing. do. Maybe we do. Maybe we. Maybe we are completely wrong in a lot of stuff that we've said here. In fact, I expect that we are in some way. Um. Because that's life, <laughs> and so well, that's our that's our experience. Exactly, my experience is that I am wrong way more often than I'm right, and so I, <laughs> I am open to hearing. I of course I'm I'm open to hearing feedback on the show. If you want to get back to me, if, if you want to share your thoughts, please email me at Stephen Bradford Long forward slash contact you can also reach me on twitter at Stephen b long although i try to make a habit of not regularly checking my mentions really one of the best ways to get in contact is at my discord server there will be a link in the show notes uh you can join the conversation about this podcast and satanism and all kinds of other stuff going on there uh for people who want to find you where can they do that um, do, do you so, want to be found? Is that that is the real question? <laughs> I mean, you know, well, I've got to have I've got to have a place where people can tell me to go fuck myself, right? So true. Uh, I'm mostly so mostly I'm on on Twitter these days. I I have a Facebook at Shalise Blythe, but I, I I'm going to tell you I don't check it. So um, you know that that's probably not going to be the best way. But I, I I'm Twitter. I'm just at Shalise Blythe, um, and. Uh, do I have anything else? No, that's just it. Yeah, you're a great follow on Twitter. Everyone should go follow you on Twitter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for this show. The music is by the Jelly Rocks and 11T7. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is written and performed by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and is edited and produced by Dante Salamoni. It is a production of Rock Candy Recordings and is supported by my patrons at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. As always, hail Satan. Hail Satan.